0: You're not a famous artist. Gucci never does collabs, and why would they do that? And again, I started this not with the intention to reach the brand. It was really just to bring people's focus into my world as a creative. That's what the punk rock DIY spirit brings.
1: I'm Justin J. As a photographer, I've gotten to shoot rock stars, hip hop moguls, world-class athletes, and some other truly extraordinary subjects. I'm fascinated by the backstories and life experiences that help shape these compelling people. The right photograph can reveal quite a lot about someone, but some stories can't be told with just a picture. Sometimes you need to sit down, listen, and dig a little deeper. This is The Plug. Today's guest is a multi-talented creator with a solid background in the aesthetics of skateboarding, punk rock, hip-hop, and graffiti culture. A few years ago, he leveraged the ubiquitous Gucci logo and created his own cartoon-inspired character using the opposing capital letter G's as I's and gave birth to Gucci Ghost. The concept started as a spontaneous Halloween costume, but eventually, his iconic ghost motif found on t-shirts, paintings, and tags around New York City cultivated such an avid following that it caught the attention of Gucci. His recontextualized Gucci logo had created an alternate brand with such distinct identity and cachet that instead of issuing a cease and desist order, Gucci instead offered our guests an official collaboration. Since then, he's grown Gucci Ghost into a prolific creative enterprise, culminating with an impeccably timed NFT drop in 2021 that generated several million dollars in sales in one evening. So how do you collaborate with one of the most established luxury brands in the world without diluting the immediacy and the disruptive nature of a DIY graffiti-inspired ethos? We'll find out as we sit down for a conversation with this logo-co-opting rebel. Today, musician, artist father and the mad genius behind Gucci Ghost, Mr. Trevor Andrew. Trevor Andrew, good to see you, man. Thanks for taking time out. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. From the uh, from the looks of Instagram, looks like you've been uh, having a pretty good season lately. Yeah, uh, It's been good so far?
0: Yeah, it's, man, yeah, I've been getting up riding. Um, that, like, last season, I really, like, got back into the mountains when I was up British Columbia for like seven months with my family and I just really reconnected with like riding and and just going out on those backcountry missions and just getting up riding in general because like I was living in New York for like 16 years and I would maybe get like a trip here and there like you know a few days a season but the past two seasons I've been really like going after it and this year I already went up to BC for a little bit got some like early season like good pal locally and then i've been going out riding like just in the daytimes for a couple hours like as a part of my like routine these days so it's it's great because it gives me space to like find more creative inspiration it's crazy how many ideas i came up with last year just being in the mountains wow
1: so you and i met originally a couple years ago I was working for Nixon. I was going to take some pictures of you and your wife, Gold, and we got to shoot inside your brownstone in Brooklyn, and it was this really amazing, eclectic home you guys had, but the surrounding neighborhood, maybe a little rough around the edges, and unmistakably, Brooklyn, New York. You guys recently moved to California, you mentioned. Um, you know, as a, as a father, as a snowboarder, as an artist, it, was that a drastic transition for you? I mean, did it take a little adapting? How's that been working out? You happy?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've always, I feel like I'm always been moving through my life. Like I've lived so many different places and I love like change, you know, and definitely miss New York. And it it became a lot harder because we, we did this kind of a little bit before the pandemic. So then it became like, you know, coming out to the West coast and then not going out, you know, so it was definitely like a drastic change in that way. But people always ask me, you love, like, you like it better in Cali? I just like it different. You know, I like, I find uh, beauty in all the places that I go. I, in every, you know, I'm always looking for that. So and change in new environments always brings that excitement. Yeah, it's been great, man. Uh,
1: I mean, you you were, you got a lot of different creative pursuits you you know you snowboard obviously you do music you have a Gucci Ghost project your father as well uh, like do, has some of your success over the past year kind of given you the luxury to be able to set your own time frame for what you want to do or is is your life still pretty regimented like walk me through an average day or, or a week in your life
0: well i mean i guess i've been really fortunate Throughout my life, to find ways to just be creative and survive and and provide, and like I didn't really have a concept of time before I had children. But it's kind of the same for me. Aside from like getting up and and getting the kids ready and do you know doing that part of my life. That's I think I've been really lucky that I've had the confidence to do that, and so I've had good fortune with that. You know, just because I there's no like Plan B. It's like just you know, exposing my kids to all the stuff that has brought me so much happiness in my life, you know, but it's rad to just as a parent, like expose my kids to everything that makes me so happy and, and, um, share that.
1: Well, so, I mean, speaking of artwork, and I know you've probably spoken about this a lot, but I really want to get into it because it's such an interesting story. Talk to me about your experience creating Gucci Ghost. And then also your experience working with Gucci, the brand, because as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, you essentially dared them to send you a cease and desist or to do a proper collaboration with you. And they opted for the latter. Like, how did that come about? Why did you think they made that choice?
0: I think it was just like really the stars aligning, to be honest. And yes, it was somewhat of a, like a very just to the the universe, I guess, to saying, yeah, I'm going to do this till they sue me or hire me type thing, you know, but that wasn't my initial intention. My initial intention wasn't even to like reach the brand. My initial intention was to extract some, you know, power and, and, and something familiar from the brand, reinterpret it, apply it to like the medium that I was working on and trying to bring focus in like really the first Gucci Ghost project was it was a record you know I was I made a record and I was like yo this is kind of a different sound like I'm gonna go I'm gonna put this out under Gucci Ghost and like because Gucci Ghost just came you know a few months earlier by me um you know I was DJing a party for my friend he brought me to the Philippines to play this opening and I went over there and I was flying home and I went to the market and Found some, like, like bootleg Gucci fabric, and I brought it home. Because I was always into that. Like, when I would go to New York, I would go to Canal Street. Like, I wasn't going to the Gucci store. I was going to Canal and, like, getting that stuff and getting, like, you know, fake Jordans and, like, mixtapes. And so yeah I came home it was Halloween I didn't have a costume boom chopped the eye holes. skated around New York and just so happens I ran into an old friend Ari Markopoulos who's uh who's a photographer Ari Markopoulos is like a amazing photographer that I met when I was really young snowboarding he was like coming on trips with Terrier Hawkinson shooting him and I ran into him at a party I hadn't seen him in like 10 years I've been living in Brooklyn and he had been living in Brooklyn and and I was at this party with the, the Gucci ghost sheet on and I like pull it up like, yo, it's Trev, you know, and we reconnected. He came to the studio and was shooting photos and hanging out and coming over to the house. And, and then he got commissioned by Gucci to shoot their lookbook. So at that time, Alessandro had just gotten his position there and he was like, yo, have you ever heard of Gucci Ghost? This is My friend. I'm like jumping all over the story here. It's like it's, so much.
1: It's a, well, I guess my question is like, I'm, I'm really curious about what do you think their impression was or why do you think they ultimately said yes? Because that's a brand that's been traditionally very well protected. And I'm wondering, I mean, was there an element of of like a, the Barbara Streisand effect? Are you familiar with that? where she, she tried to sue Google to have her property taken off the Google Maps in Malibu and it got so much press that it ended up, making more people aware of it than they ever would have otherwise like was there an element of that with gucci you think or or what, what do you think their mindset was to go ahead and say yes
0: well i think once alessandro had heard about it and saw the work and and saw the stuff that i was doing in the street and saw the clothing and saw the the music and the films and the whole body of work really i think that they looked he was fearless and he said you know, this would be dope. Like this would be, he, he said exactly what I thought when everyone was like, Oh, Gucci will never fuck with you. Like you're not a famous artist. You're not, you know, you're not a, they don't do collabs, you know, like Gucci never does collabs. And why would they do? And again, I started this, not with the intention to reach the brand. It was really just to bring people's focus into my world as a creative. But I think what I was putting out into the universe was so authentic and really true to the spirit of just loving the creative process that like when alessandro saw it he was like damn this is this is dope we got to do this and and i at a certain point once i started you know being a couple years deep into the project and having worked gucci ghost as a theme through so many different mediums it was like I saw it too. I was like, yo, like it would just take the right person to understand this. Why wouldn't they do this? Like Gucci needs to do this,
1: you know? It was just a really, it's a brave choice.
0: And it was, and it was, you know, obviously successful because it was something that authentically like connected with people and a younger audience and just a broader group. And it was just fun, you know, and that's what I realized, like, Without even intending to initially, it was just the way I was doing this and I was stripping it down and like putting it out like almost in a more... The logo even just as a more raw, but just less perfect, you know, perfectly imperfect, you know? Yeah. And, but yeah, I think that it was just a, they were like, yo, why, why, you know, he saw the, the, it was an offering, you
1: know, really. It's interesting because, you know, you have such a close connection to, to punk rock and, and hip hop, skateboarding, obviously snowboarding. But even though all all of those things have kind of become mainstream, like cornerstones of, of pop culture, like at their core, they really were founded on ideals of like rebelliousness and individuality and like this, this ethos of like DIY and at face value, it might seem kind of antithetical to those cultures to like do a collab with like a high end luxury brand. But the way you did it, like it did, it felt really authentic and it felt organic and people really responded positively to it. Were you surprised by that or would you, would you have done anything differently if you had a chance to do it again?
0: No, I mean, again, like that work was done, a lot of it, like the first collection before it went to Rome, like those things were done three years prior, like with no intention other than just just to make something dope, you know, so like, it made sense that that people felt it. And and I think the brands, obviously, we're in a time where now, it's really become almost a blueprint. It's like, you can go out and troll a brand till they notice you, essentially. And if your idea is is good enough and and resonates with the brand, like you can make those connections. Whereas, like I think that's what the punk rock DIY spirit brings is like a whole new way to approach creating with a, a brand and creating a product you don't have to go through these um, steps or like a certain process or structure that's been formed. But uh...
1: so I'm, you know, so, so you had a a really successful drop, a successful NFT drop last year um, on Nifty, a Nifty gateway. And I actually bid on one of, one of the pieces like the, the silver animated ghost token was so fucking dope. I didn't get it, (laughs) but I did watch in a span of about, 45 minutes, I watched you sell north of a million dollars worth of artwork. I was blown away. Walk me through that evening. I mean, did you have any idea of the reception that drop was going to get? I mean, was that a life-changing evening for you? Did you expect it to go down that way?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, NFTs, to me, like, again, another thing that I found good fortune in because of the moment of my intention with it, which I think was... I'd known about. I was really lucky to be. Um, the The Winklevoss twins reached out to me three years ago or something at this point, and like they were telling me about that they were launching this platform this nft platform and like at the time like nobody on my team including myself had like heard of an nft but from what they explained to me it just seemed to really it made sense in the way that like i was like oh this is just another way for me to like connect with my art to another audience and just take it on another medium you know just like making films or making music or making clothes or paintings or whatever it is that i'm doing like it just seemed like another medium that I could translate my artistic vision and you like play within it. And, and I really saw it as almost like just like a social media at the time. Like I was like, this is almost like just like a new way. I just believed that in trying to create something for just the intention to create it and share it. And I didn't go into it like, Hey, I want to make all this money doing it. Obviously was grateful to have, that moment, but it was, um, I think that I find those moments because I look for the real moment of just loving what I'm doing, like the creative process. And I think that that always attracts good, great things, you know? Yeah.
1: I mean, the, the nature of the technology is so it's so immediate. And so, you know, walk me through watching those numbers, watching those actual sales in that like extremely short amount of time. I mean, what was going on in your mind that night?
0: It was wild, yeah. I mean, I had I had no clue. I started making my NFTs a little bit late, even though it was really early. It was, like, November. I was already working on one for, like, a year previous that was, like, the technology didn't even exist at the time. Everybody at Nifty Gateway was like, yo, just, like, you know, it doesn't have to be, like, just let's drop some shit, you know? And so I did my first drop, and, and it made some money, and I was like, oh, this is rad, and it was connecting. That was the thing. It was, like, I saw how, like, it was just people that never had heard of the art really that were connecting with it. And, you know, some old people, some new people. And when March rolled around and I remember going down to the river in the morning and like being excited for it and being like on Instagram and like, and Twitter and, and uh, it was rad. It was what, like, did, what
1: did you do to celebrate that night after the, after the, the drop ended?
0: I actually went to bed early cause I, I remember getting up to go and I was like riding pal the next day and it was such a a great balance for that moment for sure and just um it it was wonderful
1: the whole nft space is is so fascinating and it seems like you could break it down into two different parts there's the technology aspect of it which under the hood i'm sure is very complicated but from an end user standpoint you're basically basically getting a receipt if you will for like an asset in this case a piece of digital artwork and there's nodes all over the world Whenever there's a transaction, those nodes record it, and then therefore it's, it's open source, unhackable, verifiable. I mean, I'm, I'm oversimplifying it. But what really fascinates me is the psychological aspect of it, you know, because you have, say, a million versions of something or an infinite number of something. And collectively, the marketplace has agreed that this specific version or these small numbers of specific versions are the ones that are actually going to be valuable and that kind of fractures our traditional concepts of, of scarcity and abundance and and value. It, it's, it's really it's really strange. Like as an artist, did you did you get that right away, or did it take you a minute to kind of wrap your head around things?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that I was really lucky also in the beginning to have. Uh, I would say in March, it was like a whole wider range of people. But I think like my first drop, like pretty much everyone was holding. So it felt the same to me as like being in traditional spaces, like selling paintings, like pretty much like 90 something percent of the people that would buy a painting from me, they just buy it because they, they love it and they want it and they have it in their home. But just to see like how, you know, with NFT, it's like people are definitely And not to say that that doesn't exist in the traditional art world. I think it just, things happen so much faster within this space. So like, that's kind of a trip to see, you know, and, and getting, understanding that. And, but that's also like allowed me to be creative too, to think about ways to be creative in a different way because you're, you're playing a different type of game, you know? So it's, it's really fun and I'm really kind of like deep in it and I've been working on something that's. Really, you know, it's, it's, it's a year long project that is really like a 10 year long project, but I've spent the past year like really building this one of one that I believe is, is uh, there's nothing like it.
1: I, well, I guess you could break down the two main arguments as this. Like, some people would argue, well, why would I pay a thousand dollars or a million dollars for a Gucci Ghost or a Bored Ape or whatever when you can literally just screen grab it and have the exact same thing for free. And I think the counter argument to that would be, yeah, absolutely. Go and do that. Because if you post that on social media and you put it on t-shirts and you put it out there in the world, the more pervasive that that artwork becomes, the more my verifiably quote unquote authentic version of that piece becomes more valuable. But that's a really strange leap. What are your thoughts on that?
0: But it's just about ownership because you can go into a museum and take a photo of a Picasso on the wall. You don't own that Picasso. You have a photo of a Picasso. You know what I mean? The difference obviously is that you own that piece, right? So yeah, it's not really about, it's like you say, it's not, it's not entirely about just like the image. There's something else that goes along with that, obviously. And, you know, to own a painting and have it in your house and, it's there and, and it's, it's yours to, um, there's a certain, it's a different connection to it, I think. And so I guess that's what we're dealing with, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's a unique space because, you know, I've been talking to a lot of photographers trying to figure out an organic way to make photography work in the NFT space. And like, it doesn't seem to work. I feel like the, the drops that have been most successful are the ones that exist only in a, in a, in a digital environment, like the, the, the native, the coin, the Gucci coin, the Gucci ghost coin that you did that was animated, like it was so cool. And it obviously looked real, but it doesn't exist anywhere else except for digitally. And I think that's, that's a big leap for a lot of people to try and make.
0: Right. Yeah. And yeah, that's a theme that's often brought up as, as well. I think it, I think that this is going to, we're going to see so much change and so much more space for new things that like i i believe nft will have a part in not just all creative mediums but businesses brands like it's just but the conversation of physical and digital is interesting because people have different relationships with that a lot of people that collect my nfts they don't care about having a physical object but then there are some that are more into they've discovered NFT in a, in a different way and they associate things with physical so they're like some people want something physical that accompanies that but it really to me they don't have to coexist at all you know they're not it doesn't take a physical item to validate or make a digital asset valuable you know what i mean it almost sometimes can devalue because you're you're cluttering the issue of of where the truth lies
1: that that's what i I wanted to get your opinion on that because i know a lot of people sometimes they'll offer an nft a a digital asset that also comes with like a physical painting or a physical asset as well and i'm curious about your thoughts on that because me personally it seems like you're almost working against yourself in terms of training the marketplace to accept that they're buying something that exists only digitally it's almost as if like when you're learning a language if you see a dog, you can't think, okay, dog in Spanish means perro. You have to look at that animal and think perro and you don't have to like live within inside that realm. And then also I think it, it, it takes this hyper efficient instant worldwide digital transaction and then creates this bottleneck where you're like, now you're physically going to the post office to like mail some shit with your NFT. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I I, I agree. I think that I think in time, the general, I think that most of the community that's there that understand NFT, they get that concept and they're thinking NFT and they understand the value that lies without the physical. There is some fun ways, I believe, and I, I believe that there is a place for that digital physical thing. And that's that's okay. You know, I think that there will be that, but it is almost like. It almost feels to me like it's it is like that transitional like training wheels for people but yeah not it just depends how creative like there are creative ways that you can do it and you know I've played with it for sure like I did a burn that was offering people a physical print in exchange for their digital asset for me to destroy and it was surprising to see like where it just showed me who was kind of new to NFT maybe, or just, that's not necessarily true. I guess it, it can, I think it may always exist, but it doesn't have to, you know, it doesn't have to like at all.
1: Well, you've done, I mean, you've had some successful NFT drops, but you've also had some really successful physical gallery openings as well. Like, is there a different, a difference in your approach to how you either market it or create that artwork, like for a physical space versus NFT? Like, you know, doing doing an NFT drop with a purely digital piece of artwork versus a limited edition screen print from a show?
0: I think to me, it's the same thing. Again, it's the same energy. And I don't really. Yeah, of course, like building a space is is uh, putting together a whole body of work and a show is usually a little more like you're dealing with mainly like one of ones or or small editions, you know. Like, whereas obviously it'd be more like, it'd be more like my prints, you know, my physical prints that I sell. It's, it's more because you're doing like a little bit larger numbers. And I haven't done like a, just a solely like a one of one only drop or like, but I think it's the same energy that goes into just everything I'm doing, whether it's music, NFT, um, painting, doing a show, creating like some, it's just being in the moment and, And trying to like share some, some story, you know?
1: It seemed like there was, there was a time in the NFT space. It almost seemed maybe about 12, 15 months ago when there was this, I would call it almost like a gold rush and the market was just not behaving rationally. You know, you would have people, you could actually almost mint some random digital piece of artwork that you created, minted on OpenSea and in some cases sell it for a lot of money. I think that ship has sailed for the most part. I mean, obviously there's, there's your work and there's people and everything in between, but I think many people are learning the hard way that, you know, the NFT technology, it's not, it's not a magic tool. I mean, and what, what they're finding is that trying to sell artwork online, you're going to run up against the obstacles that you would run selling traditional artwork in a physical space in terms of context, where are you showing you either what platform or what gallery. Where did this work show before? What's the artist done before? And then also just promotion like, how do you get the word out? You know? And I think a lot of people a while back would look at what you did and said, oh shit, I could do that or I should do that. When the fact of the matter is, like, your drop was so successful because you'd already curated. A really loyal following in like the real world space, and all it really did was allow people who may otherwise not have gone into a gallery to purchase your work, but a hyper efficient way for them to stay at home and invest in your artwork. Like, you think that's a fair assessment?
0: For sure, for sure. Um, to, to last any in any space, you've got it. You're again, it goes back to your intentions, and you'll be pretty. You'll hit a roof pretty quickly without really living it and diving into whatever it is that you're doing. It doesn't matter what it is that you're doing. You know, it's like, you can't, you can only go so far. So yeah, I think we're seeing that, but I, I do believe that what NFT showed the world is that there's just a, a, a great big face to, and it's not only, I don't think it's just about like, you know, we started out, you see how it's like growing and how, you know, because of the capabilities now, like the, 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 the ideas that the, is is twisting and turning and growing and progressing and there'll be spaces i feel like there'll be lots of like photography and all these things that maybe not be like hitting right now it's like i believe that there will be scenes within this this is just the infancy stage of nft i believe that it's going to be so people when they first jumped in and everyone was like yeah i'm gonna do an nft it was like the most buzzworthy term like web 3 you know it's like everybody's these things you know it's like it it does show that there's there is great opportunity to to be creative and and try to and i'd be happy to inspire
1: well what do you think what was the most valuable lesson or what was the most important piece of knowledge that you brought to the table as an artist operating in the physical world when you did your nft drop
0: i think for me it's just i've always i've never been afraid to like go outside of like if i'm Finding success in one thing, it doesn't mean that I have to like, I'll be like, okay I'm only making clothes like I've always just tried to find different ways to translate my creative vision. So I think my willingness just to try new things, whereas like I even reached out to a lot of artists in that early time of me starting to really understand what NFT was and the potential of it and really the future. I was like, this is this is a part of the future. It's not it's not more important than physical art but it's not less important you know it's 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 equally as important to me and and it always has been because I feel like I've always taken my physical works and taken photos of them and then shared them there's always this digital kind of marriage with the the physical work in these days anyway so I was reaching out to a lot of people early and and you know people didn't want to do it because they felt that it might be just a, a fad or something you know what I mean so like for me, I just, I'm always fearless when it comes to just trying new things because it's exciting to me and, you know, it just keeps things fresh to me going from one thing to another and, and finding out what I really truly enjoy to do, you know, the most. And yeah,
1: it seems really ironic to me in a way that, that the non-fungible token and how the majority of people in the world first learned about that is through the prism of digital artwork. Cause it seems like that almost happened by accident. You know what I mean? Like the technology wasn't created to sell crypto kitties. You know what I mean? Like the ERC 721 smart contract is going to have insane implications moving forward on real estate transactions and health records and insurance settlement. And, like and all these kind of world changing things. And it seems like it almost happened by accident that people started using it for these like silly little things that they sell online for Ethereum. And that's how people found out about it. I mean, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, maybe it was accidental or whatever, but it just—I think that it—it um, it makes sense. It makes sense. It could have gone either way, but it makes sense to to go with art. I mean, that's how we look at everything in the world that we're trying to put value to—is we put art with it, you know? We, we, there's some kind of artistic vision that goes along with that. So,
1: yeah, it seems almost like the the application of NFT technology for creating and selling and making a marketplace for digital artwork. It's almost, there's almost some parallels of people using a turntable to create music, to make as an instrument rather than what it was really designed for. I mean, right. it's like really interesting, kind of a, a good analogy.
0: Yeah, that is, that's a great analogy.
1: Um, I mean, where do you think, where do you think we are in terms of NFTs in terms of art? Cause it seems like we're almost both like too early and too late at the same time, like too late in terms of what we talked about before, where the average person being able to just like put some random shit on OpenSea and like actually make money out of it. And it's almost too early for like the blue chip, like true art market to, you know, really adopt it. Like, what do you think about that?
0: Mm, I don't really Yeah, I guess it's something that I don't really think about. I'm just in my self-centered world of (laughs) trying to figure out the 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 best that um you know most creative way to apply my art to the medium of nft you know so like i'm in the zone right now of like working on well really just completing just completing finishing this project that that i've just been so deep on that's really pushed me to um it's just a totally different thing it is is very in line with the the origins and that the the process, the natural process that I would create in physical world, but just to really spend that amount of time and work with like a development team and, and squad up.
1: I mean, in a way, it makes sense that you don't kind of waste your time pontificating about the future of NFTs. I mean, you, you're a really busy guy and you're a really prolific artist. So, I mean, it makes perfect sense that you just kind of put your head to the grindstone and make art and let other people kind of figure out where it lands and how much it's worth.
0: Yeah, that's what it is. I mean that's exactly it. That's what I spend my time doing. It's just searching for that exciting moment and that, that feeling of, you know, having a picture and, and, or an idea and, and producing it or finding a way to get it made or like, just, you know, that's my mission as far as, yeah, the future of, of art world period time will reveal. I just, otherwise I would be So deep down that rabbit hole of obsession on what's going, it's like, You
1: you would dilute your creativity trying to reverse engineer what you should make or how it's going to sell or what's going to work next.
0: Yeah. But that being said, I also still try to think down the line about like how I could think of something or create something that is, is truly progressive. You know, like I feel like that's what I really learned out of skateboarding and snowboarding was just like that, that bark for like, always looking and seeing like something in front of my eyes, like rapidly progress so fast in my lifetime. That's what I connect with with NFT is that it's rapidly progressing and, and, and growing. And that's a parallel that I get from like skateboarding. You know what I mean? It's that it's exciting, you know? So I'm thinking like, how can I push this sport? How can I go the biggest? You and know? it's a
1: medium. The NFT medium is, is one that like your involvement, And the work that you've done will have an effect on how other people see it in the future as a result. I mean, that's, that's kind of interesting.
0: Yeah, that's, I'm just here to try to make my mark, you know.
1: Well, listen, we always like to end the podcast by, by asking the guests to kind of pay it forward and plug something, plug a project that they're not directly involved in, like whether it's a book or a movie or another artist or a social cause, like, do you have anything you want to give some shine to, to, that you feel isn't getting enough attention?
0: sure sure i mean there's so much shit that i'm excited about right now um in the music space uh there's some stuff coming out right now that i've really been getting into and um there's a a band called black marble they've been around for a couple of years but like definitely like they I actually had them play my first opening in uh, new york city like big fan i feel like they're top notch you know um alex sucks is a great artist um, David Sebastian, Jalil and Zinga.
1: I uh, I have my my internet searching cut out for me later on tonight. <laughs> definitely definitely check those out. But um, first, I'm gonna check on Black Marble first. That's a great right. shout out.
0: Oh so, yeah, just playing the record uh, just before we started. I, it's like um, definitely one of my in my top. Top 10 of uh, newer bands, for sure.
1: Cool. Well, Trev, I definitely, I really appreciate what you do. I'm a big fan. Um, I'm glad that we finally got to cross paths again after all these years. I know it took a couple false starts, but I really, I appreciate you sitting down, man. I know you're a busy dude.
0: No, I appreciate you having me, for real, man. It's good to reconnect
1: cool. And we'll do, uh, you know, I had a, I put a book out last year of, uh, 10 years of, uh, surf culture on the North shore of Hawaii. So I'd love to do, uh, some sort of a trade with you. So let's keep in touch for yeah, that. Yeah,
0: Let's get it. I'm down. That'd be sick.
1: And is there anything you want to plug real quick that you are involved in? Yeah. I
0: mean, I got, I'm working on a new collection right now for my brand real by that's been really fun to kind of dig back into that space and uh, I've got a new music, pro- a couple new music projects, actually, in the works. I have a country record that's been done for some time now, and I'm just, like, throwing things at the wall.
1: Good. Well, I, I think a lot of it's sticking because you're doing a lot of cool shit. So <laughs> keep at it. Um, best of luck with, with uh, Dad Life. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll see you soon, man. Really appreciate it. Take care.
0: Thank you, man. All right. Take care.
1: Cheers thanks for listening and a huge thanks to today's guest for dropping in if you enjoyed this episode do us a favor and take a minute to rate review follow or subscribe this episode of the plug was executive produced by ryan Bucci and peter buckingham theme music by andrew van weingarten and dan drohan with sound design by brad warrell at soundwag thanks again and be sure to tune in for future conversations